Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. Imagine making a difference. No, imagine being the difference. The difference between I can't and I can or I won't and I will. The reason someone chooses to wake up and strive for greatness. In life, it can feel like everything is working against you. Let's defy all odds and break generational curses. This is Overstepping Poverty with Daquan and Zacchaeus. Welcome back to Overstepping Poverty. The podcast that provides you with tips, tricks, and hacks in overstepping poverty. My name is Daquan Brooks, and I'm here with my co-host, Zakia Shaw. How you doing, Zakias? I'm doing good, my friend. You know, it's... I always feel like this, and I feel like I repeat myself every time, but it literally feels like so long since we've been in here recording. It has. It's been like two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. Usually we're getting at least one a week. Exactly. So it, it, it's, it's been a while, so I can understand that feeling there. Yeah, man. How about this dank snow? You know, I thought South Dakota was just going to relax on us this year. <laughs> and, and for our listeners who don't live in South Dakota but may have visited, um, you probably visited when it was warm. And right now we <laughs> just had at least, I mean, I feel like it's at least eight inches of snow for um, sure. that just came down the last two days. <laughs> um, and I totally thought, I was like, you know what? We got through Christmas. <sighs> Golf is going to be early this year. <laughs> and then this hit. And I'm like, okay, cool. So right. I still live in South Dakota. Who am I trying to fool, right? Yeah, had to remind us of where we were at. But, you know, I'm excited to get right into our interview today. I'm excited because we have somebody that is really taking a leap, being super vulnerable. And, you know, I commend anybody that's willing to put themselves out there um, for the community. And, you know, I want to introduce today somebody that's running for city council in the northeast part of the city of Sioux Falls, Miranda Basie. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. And it's kind of extra special. You haven't recorded for a couple weeks. And now I just get to come in and have some fun. Exactly. No, I'm excited. Like I told you, I was a little nervous, just like I am before every recording that we do but i'm excited for you to you know come on here and be able to tell your story and kind of hope to have a conversation in a way that you're not always able to and really give our people of sioux falls and our listeners an insight of who you are and maybe why they should vote for you to be on the city council well thank you absolutely you know before we get into all of that here i need to (laughs) ask you as well because um, we had a little conversation before uh, we started recording here, and I was complaining about pretty much Sioux Falls not doing our, our snow removal as soon as they should. And it, you had mentioned that they haven't done yours. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have to ask, I mean, how are you with snow? Do you like it? Do you enjoy it? Is it like, I need to move? How is it? <laughs> so when my dad hears this, he's probably going to cringe a little bit because my dad has to, my dad does all the snow removal for the family businesses, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But so he loathes the snow. I, I kind of like it and not to play in it, like n- not to go out. Like I have not put on, you know, the coveralls and the boots and I don't want to go play in it. I'm not a snowboarder, but there's just something about the snow to me that kind of just like slows the world and quiets the world. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like it's an invitation to 
to introspection or to just like mm-hmm. preserving that space for yourself. And so yeah. I've enjoyed kind of the um, forceful, if you will, extra time at home the last couple of days mm-hmm. to where life just kind of slows down a little bit. Absolutely. And I am on the complete opposite of that. <laughs> Um, and I think it's mostly just because I, you know, I, I work at a dealership and what people don't know is when a, when it snows at a dealership, we are the, the <laughs> ones who take care of the snow. So what does that mean? That means all 200, 300 plus vehicles, they have to be keyed up. We have to move every vehicle. Um, so I try and pretend I'm playing in the snow, but I really resent <laughs> it sometimes. But yes, no, I, it's good to, good to know your, um, your opinion and your, you, you know, on the snow there because Gosh, I, I don't know. I'm glad someone likes it. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think your likening to it is actually pretty awesome because I felt that way yesterday when I was shoveling. I'm like, dang, it's like really quiet out here. It's kind of peaceful. You get to, like mm-hmm. you said, introspect a little bit. So I'm the type of person where I have like, I love it and then I hate it and then it's okay <laughs> every, like almost every day. And mm-hmm. At my core, I really hate it. Yeah, <laughs> I really do. <laughs> uh, I could do without it. But if it's not, you know, once it's plowed, though, and then when everybody has, like, their driveways done, then I actually kind of like it because it looks good. But, mm, you know, let's hop into this. Though. <laughs> let's, right. let's. Enough about snow. I want to know about Miranda, kind of where you come from, how it was growing up. Um, and if you could take us along your journey to where you're at today and... Uh, we'll get into this thing. Yeah. You know, something that you said right when we started is just the notation of being vulnerable and maybe talking and sharing in a way that I, that I don't always get to. And that's something that I was really excited about as I kind of got to know you guys and learn a little bit more about your content and the types of conversations that you're having. Because I think that as we tell stories, the people that are hearing it don't always receive it as, oh, this person who's telling me this story, who's sharing this piece of themselves with me is being vulnerable. Mm. And I start with that because for a long time I ran from myself and I wanted to bury kind of the experiences of growing up and who I was as a person because I didn't really, I didn't want to be vulnerable with myself or anybody else about it. And I just felt like I had to almost completely reinvent myself. And part of that meant maybe burying this other part of me. And so part of who I am now is just like really embracing that part of me. So I'm just, I'm overjoyed to have space and to have friends and relationships that continue to dig deeper and have conversations with more context, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we all have experiences and wounds and scars and whatever else that mold us into who we are. And, um, you know, a a big part of my growing up was being in, being kind of a right hand, if you will, in some of my family's businesses. Um, so my parents were pretty young when I was born. I think my mom was maybe 21 and my dad was 23 and I was the oldest. Um, my mom grew up in a farm family about two and a half hours North of Sioux Falls. She was one of six. So they were farm hands. That's what you did. Um, And then my dad was born into the family business um, and then was raised by his grandparents because his dad was drafted for Vietnam and his mom wasn't in the picture and stuff like that. So my dad kind of had this unique upbringing. um, And so when my parents met, I think... I think that that's part of, I like to theorize why like, you know, people connect in life. And I think that maybe those shared experiences or similarities are maybe part of what brought my parents together. But then when I was born, they were ingrained in the family businesses. Um, 
And so my dad's Barney from Barney's Auto Salvage. Okay. And then um, my family also owns and operates Kane's View Estates. It's a mobile home park off of I-229 in Benton. Okay. So right up there on North Cliff. And when I was really little, we actually lived on company property on North Cliff. It was across the street um, from, it used to be a Texaco gas station, but now it's Marlins. There's oh, like yeah. Titsy's Auto Repair that's over there. So yeah. right across the street, there's the old Jensen Feed building and that was company property. And there were a couple houses tucked back there. So we lived right next door to my great grandma. Um, and so I would often get lost at her house cause she would always give me ginger snaps and bubble gum. <laughs> um, my mom did not like that too much, but that's, that was just what I knew as a little kid was the family businesses. And I have two younger sisters. My middle sister, Lacey is not quite three years younger than me. And then my baby sister, Andrea is about seven and a half years younger than me. Okay. So now it's kind of fun to reminisce about the memories that I have that maybe they don't or the way that they differ. Um, But a lot of what I experienced growing up was my parents hustling and working hard, not really having a whole lot. I don't remember this. I would have been too young, but the very first trailer house that I ever lived in that my parents lived in, there was a hole in the floor. And so they were pretty, they were pretty excited when they got then the new trailer, the the new manufactured home that didn't have a hole in it. Um, but that was, that was just what they did. Like you just worked with what you had, you just did what you had. And then us three girls were kind of just along for the ride of that. And, um, I got the luxury if my sisters are listening to this (laughs) of, of supporting my sisters. So there was a time when I was driving my baby sister, Andrea to basketball practice while my mom was taking my middle sister and people thought that I was my baby sister's mom. And I would be so upset about it. I'd be like, no, I don't know what (laughs) our mom is going to decide or whatever. So (laughs) I have to ask you though, cause I'm the oldest of my three siblings as well what do you think it is about being the oldest like now that you look back on it do you feel like a lot of the you know mannerisms and things you do now the the way you care the way you want to help the community does that come from nurturing and kind of helping raise your siblings I think it comes from my experiences, but specifically from raising my siblings. I'm not sure. Okay. I think maybe more so it was, you realize, you don't realize it when you're a kid, but Mm -hmm. when you look back, you realize that, oh, my parents were growing up too. My parents were learning too. Mm -hmm. My, like your, your parents, I'm the the first kid they've ever had to take care of and provide for So like, what did they know? You know? And so I think that the opportunities that my parents afforded me to see more than meets the eye. Um, So my parents, when my mom was meeting with a new potential tenant, she brought us along. I sat and colored while my mom was having meetings and kind of interviewing people and going through applications to live in the, in the park. Um, you know, I, I helped my dad at Barney as I would pull parts, play in the blacktop pile for sure. Mm -hmm. But then, I mean, there were, I, I explicitly remember a time where he sent me out to go read a man's tire size because a, you know, a gentleman came in and wanted tires for his vehicle. He had the vehicle there, but he didn't know what size his tires were. Right. Um, my dad probably could have maybe been a little nicer about it. I don't know. But then he, you know, he sends little me and I don't know how old I was at the time, but I was a little kid. And he right. goes, Miranda, go show this man how to read his tires. Um, he's mellowed out a little bit, but mm-hmm. so I think it was those experience where my parents gave us a front seat. So yeah. then I got to see, like, I got to see that bird's 
eye view more so than I think most children probably get to of all the different things that are interconnected. And I think that that's really what drives me. And that's really what pushes me to want to serve is understanding that there are so many pieces to the puzzle. For sure. That's so cool. I know that was kind of like a left field question, (laughs) but it kind of, I just think it's interesting because really as a sibling of, uh, in something that you said is like, as you grow up, there's a lot of people that even though you're growing up in the same house with your siblings, uh, or maybe you're not growing up in the same house, but you have different recollection of how things were because you're at different stages of your life. Right. And then also that realization of your parents growing up too is where it kind of makes them more human and you tend to feel a little bit more. Absolutely. For them. You do. I mean, just it's, it's one thing that a lot of us tend to forget about as we grow up. And it's, it's funny because my mom always used to say, you just wait until you're older and you'll see. Right. <laughs> and I, I laughed and I laughed and I just shrugged it off. And yeah. now I'm older and I'm like, geez, you know, a lot of the things that my mom said, I keep utilizing in my everyday life, mm-hmm. you know, as life lessons, not only for myself, but also life lessons for um, other individuals. And at that point in time, you know, I may have looked at it as, wow, you were hard on me, but no, it was her teaching me a life lesson. And right. it's just things that you don't really learn um, or truly appreciate until like you become of age where it's like, geez, yeah. I was installed some wisdom when I was younger and now it's helping me out in my everyday life. So that's I think true. that's, that's great for, you know, I was installed some wisdom. I oh, yeah. love that phrase. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that. Oh yeah. That's good. So, okay. So when you were getting into say high school, uh, were you involved in sports and stuff like that? Yeah. So I played softball. Um, I also, I ran cross country and track for a little while. I played basketball for a while. I eventually cross country track and basketball all kind of eventually fell to the wayside and I was playing a ton of softball. And then I actually ended up earning a scholarship to go play softball in college. So oh, nice. that kind of, um, that kind of carried me. It was kind of a fun experience because my dad coached for a long time before really? I started, I actually started playing slow pitch and then realized that when you are in high school, like that's what school sport is, is fast pitch. So yeah. in order to be involved in fast pitch, I had to like switch. Um, so there was a couple of years where I played both. I would Mm. flip flop from league to league a couple nights a week. And, um, eventually my dad then took more active roles coaching my other sisters while I was hustling with other teams. Yeah. Very cool. Mm -hmm. How did that, so where did, did you end up going to school then for so in playing softball? Yeah. So the university of Sioux Falls took care of me, oh, cool. um, academically and softball. It's a little funny because when I was in high school, I always thought oh, I'm going to leave. I need to mm-hmm. leave Sioux Falls. Um, I, I need to really reinvent myself, right? Like what is there for me other than who I've been yeah. kind of thing. Um, so I was just, I was really sure I need to leave and I didn't USF just felt like the right place for me. Um, academically, I was really intrigued. I, I was accepted into their honors program. And so just the, the like the liberal arts college approach was something I was really interested in. I liked that it had a faith base. And then they capped me out of scholarships with the softball scholarship. They're like, hey, well, it's really easy to offer this to you because you've done the work in the classroom. So right. here you go. So um, I didn't play the whole time that I was there. Um, I graduated early. I was rostered for a while. Um, but through that, throughout my college experience, I also, I would say I grieved the sport a little bit. Mm. Um, I, I used softball to kind of define myself for a really long time and 
while I was in college, um, I just kind of had to wrestle with like, what's going to serve me big picture. What's, what's going to help me be the woman that I want to be and make the impact that I want to make. And I can say it way more eloquently now, um, than I could at the time, but I, I just knew that I couldn't keep spreading myself so thin with the other things that I was doing. I anchored our on-campus TV or news show for a while. I was the editor and kind of content manager of our on-campus magazine. I was double majoring and then I was playing softball and you're on the road and stuff. And, um, so I, I, I broke down in the coach's office one day and I'm like, I just, I just can't. And she's like, well, Hey, I appreciate you. We'll honor your scholarship for another year. Wow. I think that experience was maybe one of the first times that I like had to make a hard decision for myself, but then, but then knew that even though that was painful and that was hard, it was for the future version of me that I wanted to be. Yeah. Where do you feel like you saw yourself grow once you let that go? Because there's a lot of people, I mean, just as you go through life, a lot of times you want to hold on to things even longer than we know that we need to, right? And then when we finally let those things go, we feel so much more light and free. A relief. Yeah. Did you feel like a sense of relief once that was decision was made and over with? I think that I was more so overwhelmed with this, like, who am I now? Because <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. Like an identity thing. Yeah, it was it was a total almost identity crisis for sure. But what was really cool about that is I was, I had more, I won't even say time, but maybe capacity to be open to different people and different things. And so um, I actually, so I double majored, uh, I think I was telling you guys this before I started recording, I double majored in media and then Spanish. And so I was able to lean a little bit more into going to like Spanish tutoring and I still don't use my Spanish enough and I'm insecure about it, but it allowed me to lean into different things or at least be open to yeah. entertaining different ideas and different things for sure. Absolutely. And I, I can actually relate with that just because, um, of course doing sports all of my life. Then I went into college, I did track and field and like many people, I was injured and it stopped my entire, uh, collegiate athlete career. And once that happened, I'm like, okay, well, what do I do now? You know, I've, I had my, my friends that were outside of track, but then my entire life revolved around track. That's what I, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but that's what yeah. I went to school for. I mean, right. in academics, of course, as well. But for me, it was athlete <laughs> then academics. Um, but now it had to switch roles. And there was a time in my life where I was just like, well, what, what do I do? Who do I talk to? And I finally found, I found another group. You know, I became um, frat fraternity. Sorry, fraternity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a frat the kid, huh? With yeah. frat. I don't Dude, know. You're, you're frat, huh? Yeah. This guy is Uh-oh. super chill. Yeah, I know. They say he's the chillest guy in the world, right? But yeah, so it's just it's just things like that that just kind of really just spin your spin and turn your entire world, you know, around. And so just to think that you had to go through that same thing and even just making the decision yourself, that had to have been just a huge and hard decision just to make, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I commend you for that. That's Thank great. You. I do have to ask, you know, just as far as being a college athlete and as far as academics, for those of our listeners who are going through the same thing, how do you feel like, what's a good point of view to have to truly, truly balance those two out? 
you know, I, so my baby sister is currently going to school at Augustana mm-hmm. and she plays softball there. I have to give her a quick shout out cause she was the NSIC freshman of the year last hey, year. Really? So Let's my go. baby sister's real good. What's so if any, Andrea Kane, okay. um, she's a, their right fielder. She's really good. So if anybody wants to watch Augie softball, please do it. Cheer for her, but make sure you wear a little USF purple just for me. Oh, no. <laughs> just so- um, Yeah, just for me. But so, so I I bring her up because we actually talk, we talk about this a little bit, backing up, zooming out a little bit. My parents, when we were growing up, my parents, education was not a priority that their parents imposed on them. And so that was the priority that my parents put on my siblings and I, it was education, 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 and whatever we had to do to get good grades. That's what they wanted us to do. Period. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad always used to say, be a sponge and absorb. But then um, he would always say like, your education is something that nobody could ever take away from you. Mm, So that was really pushed on us. And so as I went through college being the, my parents, neither of my parents went to college and they didn't know how to, like they didn't really know how to like coach me through that. Right. Like they were supportive and they were really proud of me, but they weren't Mm. the people that I could go to, to try to like deal with the things that I was experiencing Mm. while being a college student. So my sisters and I ha- kind of, as then my middle sister, Lacey, she also went to USF and her and I kind of dialogued about those things. And then now that my little sister is in college and going through the stuff, um, we dialogue about that a little bit. And the first thing that I would say is that I don't truly believe in balance. Mm-hmm. I think that in a, in a lot of aspects in life that things will give and take. And I think that it's always just making sure that the pendulum does swing back the other way. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think is changing a little bit in college athletics is a priority on mental health. And so I know my sister and her teammates, they talk about mental health way more than we ever did when I was Mm -hmm. in college and kind of have check-ins with their team teammates and things like that. But I just really think boundaries too. And so one of the things I, I tease my little sister about this, but she's really, she's good at it and she's learning to be good at it is that having fun is important too, right? right? So just because you're busy and you're stressed, there's going to be some people that are going to be questioning like, well, why did you go to that concert then if you're so busy and stressed? And mm-hmm. it's a different kind of rest when you have fun. And so right. again, I don't think that you can truly, you know, balance out your calendar that I need, you know, X hours of this, Y hours of this. Mm -hmm. But I think part of it is just really recognizing what fuels me, what, what energizes me. And I think those two things are different. Like what fills you back up versus like what, you know, lights you on fire and then making sure that you get some of that Mm -hmm. in your life. Mm -hmm. For sure. Cause sports, I mean, you're constantly being judged, right. As an athlete, (laughs) like, at all times in the weight room, on the field, or wherever you're at. So mental health is definitely something that it's it's refreshing to hear that it is more of a conversation, you know, at younger and younger ages, which is which is awesome. But my brother goes there, so I'll have okay. to ask if he knows uh, your sister. And, yeah. again, shout out to her on the award for first yeah. of the Absolutely. year. Absolutely. That's awesome. Absolutely. So I want to talk about where we're at now. Right. You're getting yeah. into a point of where you're really you're going at that uncomfortable feeling. Right. Where you're putting yourself out mm-hmm. there. You're you've decided to uh, run for city council. Yes. What went into that process of wanting to to do that and represent, uh, you know, the place where you're from? One of the things about me is that by the time I make a decision, I'm all in. I'm head first. And so to make 
that decision, there was a lot more kind of behind the scenes conversations and questions and people in my inner circle that I was talking to for a, a long time. Right. Um, gosh, I want to say it was maybe like five, six months when I really started to entertain the idea and to ask questions. And it was kind of a, a snowball of like, oh, I was asking these questions. Okay, well, now you should talk to this person right. and so on and so forth. But, you know, you know, truthfully, the idea or the willingness to even run started simply by me just asking questions based on the work I was doing at the time. So for a while, I worked for a regional economic development nonprofit, the Sumetra Growth Alliance. Um, Tyler Tortson just took over as their CEO there a couple of months ago. Okay. I'm super excited for the future that they have there. They're changing things up and it's a really cool concept. In any case, so what I was doing there is I was kind of this hybrid between um, like event planning, but then business partnerships and then also all of like the marketing strategy and execution. So just did a lot of different cool. things. And I also ask a lot of questions. And so yeah. it was kind of easy for them to be like, oh, okay, here, you know, wear this hat. And right. so I got to do a lot of things. And as part of that, we supported the rural communities that are in the four county area. So okay. it was kind of this donut around Sioux Falls, if you will. Not Sioux Falls specifically, but all the rural communities in Minnehaha, Lincoln, McCook, and Turner counties. And through the work that SMJ was doing, there was a lot of involvement with those city councilors and the mayors and the city administrators or city managers in those other communities. And so I started asking questions about how does this stuff work? Because some, a lot of our economic development specialists would have to go to city council meetings right. for their communities. I'm like, well, why is that? And what are you doing? What are you talking about? So I'm asking all these questions um, and learning a lot more and then getting to know some of those people. One of the things that I personally had to wrestle with um, just in life is this idea of like people with a title are still people, right? right. Like they're, they're not, they're not out of reach. Right. And that's something that, um, I've, I've always kind of had to like wrestle with right. when you, like when you find out, right? Like when you don't know, you're like, whatever, this is the person. But then when you have, when you're like, Oh, this is like, Oh, this is the mayor. Right. Oh my goodness. And so through that experience with the Sumetra Growth Alliance and having those relationships and learning about the way these smaller communities are working, that what really kind of was the nail in the coffin for me of like, Miranda, come on. Right. Like people in these kinds of municipal leadership positions are just normal people who care was when I realized that the taxidermist that mounted a, a buck that I shot and yeah. my grandpa's elk was the mayor of Harrisburg. Okay. And I was like, no way. Like what? How is a taxidermist the right. mayor, right? It was in part like learning how those communities function with their municipal government, but then also learning and having relationships with the people there. Yeah. And then that kind of snowballed into me wanting to know more about Sioux Falls because this, the Sioux Metro Growth Alliance kind of works adjacent with the Sioux Falls Development Foundation, but okay. not necessarily directly with. Right. So the missions and the way that they work are really similar, but there are a lot of kind of big differences. So right. I started asking more questions about that because SMGA, we officed in Sioux Falls. We had a lot of business relationships in Sioux Falls, but we weren't directly tied with the Sioux Falls Development Foundation. and. Right. You know, at the time, I just, I didn't know a ton about economic development. This is the first time I was learning things. So I'm just, you know, I'm asking all these questions right. that, um, yeah, I'm just like calling it how I see it, I guess. And so 
start asking some of those questions. And then I ended up, so it kind of in that same time frame, I ended up just chit-chatting with a city councilor at the, a Sioux Falls city councilor at the, gosh, what was it? Um, like state of the city address or something like that, okay. that the mayor gave. It was an event that we, all of us from SMGA were there. And I just ended up chit-chatting with one of the city councilors. And I didn't know mm-hmm. that this person was a Sioux Falls city councilor at the time. And just like chit-chatting, kind of like asking questions. They were talking to somebody that I knew, a mutual contact. And mm-hmm. um, my friend that was in that conversation goes, Miranda, like you guys should meet up for coffee. Like this is awesome. And I was like, yeah, we should. Mm-hmm. So I had coffee with that counselor and I didn't realize that they were a counselor then until we booked the coffee. Really? And I'm like, oh, you're That's a Sioux City counselor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so that was like, that was my first conversation with a Sioux Falls City counselor and just kind of learning about what they do and, and how like the different projects that they're working on. And so from that conversation, I was like, well, how does the Sioux Falls, like how does a Sioux Falls city council work? And it's got to be different than all these munici- these other small municipalities. And so it, again, just the, the, I guess the constant theme in my life is I just ask a lot of questions yeah, and sometimes they're good. dumb, Never. but so I, thank you. <laughs> I'm telling everybody that. So then I kind of went back to some of the people that were kind of our, my personal board of directors, if you will, that I just really unequivocally without a shadow of a doubt trust. Um, I started asking them some more questions and I, uh, then I decided, you know what, I'm going to reach out to Paul. Like Paul used to run a digital ad agency. Like mm-hmm. I followed him online for a while. Like that's kind of my line of work. Yeah. I know people that know him and like he's been through some stuff. So I wonder what that's like. And I wonder what he thinks about SMGA being involved with Sioux Falls and like, what would he want that to look like? Like a more regional approach. Like, what would he want that to look like? So I just reached out, blind reached out to Paul and um, he takes a meeting with me and I'm just over here like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I have a meeting with the mayor of Sioux Falls. Oh my gosh. And so that was just like that. I like literally had to call one of my kind of confidants and I'm just like, Holy cow, that was too easy. Like what? And so that told me two things. One, that Sioux Falls really does show up Mm -hmm. in the ways that like all these other experiences in my life where, you know, I went, I went to USF and I was taken care of and then the jobs and stuff, all that in between. I'm like, wow, Mm -hmm. the mayor's willing to take this meeting with me. And I don't, and I don't know exactly what I'm walking into, but right. here are some things that seem really relevant to what he's talking about that I would just love to hear his perspective. And so I, I was kind of, I was a little bit like starstruck for a minute. And I think that that's kind of consistent with the way that I was raised, right? Like my parents and my family, you just put your head down and you just work right. and um, you let the, you let the powers that be, be the powers that be. And you just, you work because that's what you can control and that's what you need to do. So after that meeting with Paul, where we, we did not talk about city council, we talked about like leadership and we talked about, you know, some of the observations of like him being the mayor, but then a lot of it was about economic development. Yeah. And I was asking him questions and, you know, about the development foundation, about forward Sioux Falls, learning a lot more about how Sioux Falls takes an approach to economic development. And then also asking him, okay, so what does that look like regionally? Like how does mm-hmm. Sioux Falls be like, be a leader in those regional conversations without maybe overshadowing some of those other smaller communities? right? Because they really matter too. And that just like flipped on a light bulb for me. So I started asking, I went back to my kind of circle of supporters. Mm -hmm. I've been so, so, so grateful over the last, I would say even just four or five years 
I have a wonderful group of people I can just call when I have questions or I like want to make a decision or, Hey, I have questions about this. Do you know somebody? Mm -hmm. And somebody shows up every time. And so I'm just going to like keep kissing the ground on that one. Um, well, I have to ask on that quick before you keep going. You, when you mentioned this, uh, you know, your support system, your confidants, right. Do you feel like you've always had that or, you know, if not, how did you find that support and find those people? Because there's a lot, there's people listening to this right yeah. now that, um, you know, are thinking to themselves, like, I want to be around better people. I want to yeah. surround myself with the right, 100%. the right people. 100%. First, if you are asking yourself that question, I'm so proud of you. If you are asking yourself that question, you're being vulnerable and you're acknowledging that there's more for you and you want it. So I'm proud of you. No, I haven't always had that group. I would say the very first person in my life that I felt like was in my quote, personal board of directors would have been my high school youth pastor. Mm. She was somebody that I talked to about everything. Um, A story that I don't tell a lot is when I was in high school, I would say probably my sophomore and junior years of high school, I journaled a lot about wanting to end my life. Mm. I just felt like I was a burden to everybody. I just felt like I was a problem. I didn't see the value that I put into the world, but I couldn't tell anybody about it. I didn't, right. I didn't tell anybody about it because, you know, you go to the doctors for your physical, for your sports, and they, they, they put, the, put that on a piece of paper of like, do you have anxiety? Do right. you have depression? Please write that. And I didn't right. because I was like, if I do that, they're going to think something's wrong with me. And I, like, it, it was, you know, this whole kind of mental game that I, that I played to myself. And so I guess the, the phrase that I kind of say is I journaled myself out of a suicidal depression wow. and I don't tell it a lot um, because I think it's something that in life I'm still kind of unpacking, but she was somebody that she didn't know that, like, I, I didn't tell her that, mm-hmm. but I think she knew yeah. because she put me in front of a group of middle school girls leading a Bible study. She said, Miranda, Hey, I think you'd be really great at this. What time works for you? Um, she put me on the church council as the first, um, as the first, like I grew up traditional Lutheran. So when you're confirmed, you're then technically considered an adult in the church. Um, and so you can vote if you want and like you can be engaged, but they didn't like you're still in school. So like it it was kind of funky. So she's like, you know what? These high schoolers, they should have a vote because they're considered adult members of the church. So Mm -hmm. she put me on the church council as the first high school representative. And, you know, I would, uh, I would call her. I went, I went through a breakup while I was in high school. That was, you know, of course, traumatic because all breakups in high school are traumatic. And, you know, I, I would talk to her about the essays that I wanted to write. And, um, I, I did a lot of, I did a lot of writing. I wouldn't call it necessarily poetry, but kind of just like artistic narratives maybe. Um, so that she was the first person that showed up for me in a way that I didn't know how to ask for, but she just knew. And I don't think that I truly had another person show up for me like that because I didn't know it. I didn't know how to ask for it. They just did it. I didn't have another person show up like for me like that until I was in college. 
as I was, you know, kind of like learning through being, you know, young adult, I was super, like I said, I was in the honors program. I double majored. Like I was a nerdy. I love learning. I love learning. Mm -hmm. That's probably why I ask a bajillion questions. Like I just want to, I want to learn everything. I want to learn everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so in college, I started getting more involved in just different things, right? Like went through the softball decision, had to like reinvent myself, um, read a lot of self-help books, which I overdosed on. (laughs) And so kind of just like sent me into this, like, what value do I have? There are so many things I need to fix about myself. So I graduated early, took a job um, at an internet startup. And that's where I met some of the most impactful people in my life today. And I didn't know it at the time. Um, So that's where I met people like Heather Kittleson. That's where I first learned who Joni Ekstrom was. I don't think she knew who I was, but I knew who she was because I I just admired how confidently she walked into (laughs) every meeting. Um, That's where I was first exposed to Bonnie and Tamian when they were starting Think 3D. That's where I first met Matt Paulson um, as an angel investor, Mm. Brianne um, Maynard that like that's where I first got exposed to some of these people and I had no idea who they were (laughs) I I had no idea the the impact that they had in the community or the impact that they would and in my relationships with all those folks vary and and whatever else but it was when I was there and like in a startup a startup business environment is so special it's so unique there's there's energy there like I've never felt before um and I'm sure with your guys's podcast you kind of like feel that too right yeah for sure and so, so you know exactly the energy that it's, I'm going to try to describe. Thrilling, There's no words. Yeah. So it was it was in that space that I started being able to have more vulnerable conversations like I've never had before. You know, I, I chatted with Wendy Dooley and she recommended Brene Brown books to me and which was a completely different um, d- different concept. So I'm going right. way long winded no, answer to your okay. question. But I until I started to go through those experiences where people who saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and were willing to show up, even though I didn't ask, it was until I started to notice that pattern that I was like, well, wait a minute. What, like, is there something I need that I'm not asking for? What is that? And learning, then that means diving deeper into myself, which I don't think most people really want to do. No, for sure. It's hard work. Definitely not. So I think that I've, Zooming all the way back (laughs) to your question, I I, I think that that's how I've built the circle that I have today. And and I envision it like an amoeba. It flows and it changes. And based on the person that I continue to evolve into and that I continue to desire to be or to grow into, that kind of inner circle is going to ebb and flow and change a little bit. Um, And I I think that's natural and I think it should. But a lot of it comes back to me knowing more intimately who I am, what I want, what I stand for, what I desire, and then being able to like actively seek people out that I think can help me in those areas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Once you dive, you have to dive into yourself hundred percent to find out any of that stuff, right? It really takes a lot of hard work. It's not pretty. It can be painful. There will be tears, you know, a lot of thoughts, but it's the most important work that you'll ever do is on yourself. So it is because you're unpacking quite a bit of things, you know, that you have um, hidden away in your closet or anywhere mm-hmm. for a very long time. And right. so 
Um, and that's actually what we do on the podcast here. I mean, a lot of us, yeah. like, for some reason, I don't know why, but we actually mentioned this in our last podcast that we had with a success coach. But in the Midwest, we're very humble, but like too humble, like where we don't yes. ever want to give ourselves grace. We don't want to talk about ourselves, you know, yes. um, which is a real issue, you know, and that's how mm-hmm. you truly unpack and deep dive into yourself is by really, I mean, like noticing like, hey, I did this, I did this, but you not only noticing the good things, you also have to notice the bad as well. And yeah. so that's, that's where people get, uh, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> you got a you lot know? of, you got to ask a lot of questions and it's yeah. like asking like, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Like, mm-hmm. where is yeah. this coming from? Or if I feel a certain way, why? Mm-hmm. Like you have to, you know, unpack all of that. But yes, well, I do, I do have a question. I have a couple actually here. One just being, of course, running for city council. Now, even myself, I don't even know exactly like the process of that, you know? And so I'm yeah. sure there's many listeners here, you know, we, we discuss vulnerability, but obviously when you're running for city council, like you have to be very vulnerable because yeah. you're in rooms with people that you don't know, um, people that you may feel are, are very powerful people, you know, and mm-hmm. you have to always engage in conversations with them, um, for that. But just as far as that process, what does that look like to even run for city council? Yeah. Well, I am working on a social media video series that kind of boils it down so you can pay attention for that to be released. But so to actually run for city council, you have to file a statement of organization. So in a certain sense, it's kind of sort of like starting a business, if you will, almost. Um, So we filed that paperwork back in October, right when I announced that I was going to run or that I was seeking candidacy. And so, you know, the the timelines for everybody can kind of look a little bit different. You know, to be honest, we are... I want people to know that I, I, I really want to do this. I really want to serve the community that made me the woman that I am, that kept me here all those years that, you know, maybe I thought that there were greener pastures elsewhere. Um, and so I've been having a lot of meetings and a lot of conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's a kind of a choice of my own, if you will. But essentially, once you file a statement of organization, um, I think that's the official vocabulary, but, um, basically establish that, Hey, you know, this is my committee. These are the people that are going to help me my treasurer or whatever. Um, and then you're going to run. There is a financial report that's due the first week of January. So we already filed that, but then essentially you work backwards from the election day and kind of how you put your clock together. Right. So petitions can start. There's a a handbook that like line items out all the like main core dates. Mm -hmm. So the, the structure is really there, but like I mentioned, you know, for everybody, for everybody, the way that they run their campaign, the nuance can be a little bit different, but kind of the core things after you file your statement of organization, you, have to do your first financial report of the year. Petitions can begin circulating on January 26th. And so we're prepping for that. What do you mean by financials? So you have to, everything is public. So anybody who financially contributes to the campaign um, as a hundred dollars or more is public knowledge. And so we have to file that. There's dates and deadlines for that. There's forms that you have to complete. Um, They actually have a whole handbook on it. So it's really, really, really nice because we have, I've I've got a, um, Marsha is the gal that's doing all of my kind of money, treasurer, secretary Mm -hmm. stuff, whatever, whatever word we want to give her. So her attention to detail. A second to none. I've never met a person that 
has the attention and detail that she does. Yeah. So I'm like, Marsha, you're my gal. Will you please do this? <laughs> um, and so that's, yeah, that's yeah. all, it's all public. It's all line item out. They have a whole process and it's kind of just step-by-step type of thing. If um, someone were to look, you know, someone listening to this podcast and they're like, you know, I really connect with her and yeah. I, and we're going to figure out what my next question <laughs> is as well. Um, and you had mentioned it, you know, cause you had said, I really want to do this and yeah. it's going to lead into my next question as well there. But if someone were wanting to donate, you know, to yes. this here, where exactly would they go to do that? Yeah. So we have a campaign website. It's Miranda for Sioux Falls. So M I R A N D A F O R com. There's some information about me on there, a little bit about, you know, who I am and my story, but then there's also a link to donate. So just slash donate or it's on, it's on the, you know, it's on the page. Yeah, um, perfect. cause everything costs money. For sure. So, um, and, and that's kind of where, you know, the nuance of, of planning comes in, right? So everything is a moving target in terms of budget and what we can actually do for getting the word out there. A lot of it depends on the money that comes in. Absolutely. And that leads me into that second question there where you had mentioned again, um, that you wanted people to know that you want to do this. Yeah. My question is, is why, why do you want to be a city council member? One of the things that really perplexed me kind of in my discovery phase was that city council was nonpartisan. And, you know, a lot of times when you think about politics, when you think about elections, you think right or left, right? You think blue or red, you think RD. And I was like, oh, like one, man, I could be a way better informed citizen Um, was, you know, the first kind of like (laughs) self-deprecation thought there. Um, But I was like, okay, that's really cool. We have, and then they're part-time. So that was the other thing that kind of stood out to me in terms of, okay, in the city the size of Sioux Falls, we have, what, like 210,000 people in Sioux Falls proper yeah, and, um, growing. and growing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The governing body of our city are part-time elected officials that are designed to have conversations and bring ideas. It doesn't matter who you're part of. There isn't there isn't that extra kind of minutia of the, you know, of, of the factions. Mm-hmm. And so that, as somebody who hasn't been... Like I, I wouldn't, some people say like, you know, politics is their hobby or like they're really involved, engaged in that. That's not my story. Um, right. I, you know, growing in a, in a small family business, you stay away from three topics, mm-hmm. sex, politics, and religion, right? right? Because every, every, you know, every customer matters. And so paying really close detailed attention to politics wasn't something that I did in life. Um, mm-hmm. I laugh a little bit now because I did things like paged in the Senate and I went to girl state and I took AP government when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So why I did that? I don't know. Maybe, you know, there was a, a bigger plan there, a but right. <laughs> something, yeah. A story that I didn't write. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I forgot why I was even telling all those stories. <laughs> so engrossed right. in the conversation. Right? That's good. Yeah. No, it, it is. And it, it's just because there's a lot of people out here that want to see a lot of change in Sioux Falls, yes. right? And you're in the front line of that. Um, and of course, when it comes down to it and, and anything that we do, of course, the conversation that we had when we first met you, it's you're all all for the people. And that's yeah. why we're like, man. Like the the first conversation, the first meet, it's tough to really engage what people want, you know, but to when the first meeting we had with you, it's like, she wants 
the best for the people. Yeah. And that's all that matters to us. That's what overstepping poverty is, is showing people, you know, how can you get the best out of anyone and how can you be the best for anyone? Yeah. You know, so that's, that's kind of like my main question, of course, you know, being that front line and being the voice for the people, I guess just kind of, where do you want to take it? Where do you want to take city council? I think that we as a community have an opportunity to set a standard to set a standard for what we expect from our community members. It's really easy to say, hey, you know, the city this, the city that, um, you know, and, and, and I say it with a little bit of a smirk here, but even the plowing of the snow, right? right. And we're talking about that. And, you know, as I, as I drove here to record this, my neighborhood wasn't plowed yet. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing that I've got four-wheel drive and I know how to drive in snow. Right. Um, but so it's really easy to point those fingers and to criticize when you're not part of it. And I think we can all be part of it. And that's really my desire to serve on city council is to ask questions, not just of our leaders, but of our community members and to engage with people in different ways. And so some of the things that my team and I are talking about are how can we facilitate opportunities to learn more and to spark more action from community members to hear from them and how they want to be engaged with how they want to then engage with Mm -hmm. their leaders. Mm -hmm. And so that it can be this more, more of, I don't want to use the word brainstorm because that feels a little cliche, but it can be a little bit more of a collaborative conversation. So part of what we're working on for some of our content too is just some additional information about the different access and the different um, forums that there are that are actually like processed out for community members to be engaged and constituents to be engaged. But then, you know, of course, there's a ton of ad hoc ways as well. So one of the things that I just find a ton of joy in in life is building teams. Mm-hmm. And seeing people work together like in their lanes, right? So like you can think about even in group projects, like go back to middle school or high school, when you have a group project and you have a couple people on that team that don't want to do anything, they don't, maybe they don't really know anything because they don't like school. You have then one or two people that are the workhorse and they just do it all. And it's not a good group dynamic. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while in those random pairings, <laughs> you get a team of people that all have like a really good skill set and they're all a little bit different and you just drive really well together, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's in, in an idealistic world, that's like that that's what I, I think we could be. And that's mm-hmm. what I think that we should be talking more about as community members is, you know, hey, we want like people want good things, right? Like we want a successful and and like a growing community and we want all these amenities and we like, we want these really exciting things and they're good by Mm -hmm. nature. Mm -hmm. How do we get to them in a constructive way rather than a deconstructive way and equip our elected officials with the needs and the wants and the desires of the people and right that there's an expectation that those elected officials are getting that right and reaching but how can we create that deeper connection Mm -hmm. so that nothing's a surprise so that we're in sync Mm -hmm. so that's really what i desire and what i aspire for and at the end of the day i'm my husband and i are here in sioux falls because it's a great place to live and we're really proud of it Um, And we have like, we've had a long history of good leadership. Otherwise we wouldn't be 
in the growth situations that we're in. But that's not to say that there aren't things that I care about that I think we couldn't always be doing better. And I think that that's growth mindset at its finest, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, I'm not going to be somebody that's going to claim that I know it all or pretend to be on an an expert on most things, if anything. I do want to be the person that knows exactly who to call. Right. Mm -hmm. Like when I need more information on something or there's something happening and hey, we need more perspectives. How do I make sure that I'm surrounded by the people that I'm going to be able to call and get information from? So that that, those are the questions that I ask myself as about having campaign conversations and as I'm hearing from people about the things that they're concerned about. You know, right now there's a lot of conversation about childcare and it's a really Mm -hmm. real deal. Right. Right. Um, I have a couple of friends of mine that have, you know, gone to my yoga classes for a long time. Um, we, we've done, a, we've been in a lot of different phases of life together and they have a couple of young kids mm-hmm. and, um, you know, they, they reach out to me and they're like, Miranda, like, what do I do? I'm like, you know, I don't know. Let me send a few emails. Um, right. Let me see. Let me see what conversations are happening. Let me see what other things are out there. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, let me see what some ways that you could get involved would be too, right? Mm-hmm. I think that that's that follow up of, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just as, as community members, as constituents, it's not just asking or expecting something from somebody, but then it's also saying, okay, what's the expectation of me? Mm-hmm. Right. I yeah. I like how it puts a little bit of responsibility back onto the person asking you the question as well, you know, because you you don't know the answer, but you're going to do what you can to find out. And they can also do the same, right. you know. So I think that's that's awesome that you you do it that way, kind of putting responsibility back on everybody because we're better together. That's a team, mm. yeah, exactly. Yes. So um, before we get into our next part of the episode, where we open it up for questions, um, I have I have one question, then we have a question that we like to ask all of our guests so when it comes to running for city council and as being in a city that's developing and becoming more and more diverse for people that a lot of our listeners are people of color so i Mm -hmm. think it's important to um, ask the question of when you look at collaborating, um, whether it's with small businesses or just community leaders or what whatever it is, how can we create an environment in Sioux Falls that continues to build on that inclusivity? You know, where getting people involved in city council, getting them involved in the meetings so that there is a bridge to those communities as opposed to, you know, attempting to get into that community but not having the relationships i guess you could say yeah for sure i think first and foremost i think just acknowledging like hey our city is beautiful and we are we're the city that we are because of the people that are here and the willingness that all people have to get engaged and get involved so i i really think that that's just part of it of just like acknowledging that Um, and being in tune to it. And sometimes that's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. for people, right? Because it's not the same as it's always been. Right. And there's, there's a lot of, you know, I think about my family's history here and the things that they've been engaged in. And I've got some family members that are kind of just, you know, they, they follow the kind of the same path and the same rut and they don't have the vision. They've kind of got the blinders on of what they do every day. Mm -hmm. And look, if you get in a routine where you go to the same places and you talk to the same people, 
you see what's in your proximity, right? Sure. I think that that's first and foremost. Um, I think secondly, it's recognizing or even being vulnerable to kind of use some of the vocabulary we've already talked about yeah. of, of being uncomfortable too. Um, and so, you know, I was actually just having a conversation with some friends of mine about my Spanish major and every once in a while I will talk with, you know, I've, I've got a, I've got a girlfriend who, um, grew up kind of between California and Mexico, kind of bouncing back and forth. Right. And then I've got another gal that used to come to all my yoga classes and I used to teach, used to teach yoga school. Okay. Um, so she used to come and she is, um, from Serbia, but oh, she cool. speaks Spanish. I mean, she speaks a bajillion really? languages. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another gal that, you know, speaks, speaks Spanish and English. And so there was one class that I just taught in Spanish and mm-hmm. it was really uncomfortable for me because I don't, I'm not fluent. Like I don't use it all the time. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that we, all that to say that story, one of the things we were just kind of talking about is exactly what I feel when I try to speak in Spanish, when I try to talk and I don't know what I'm saying and my verb tenses are wrong Mm -hmm. and my, you know, I've I've got an accent that's not really an accent. I'm uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and it's broken and it's scary. And that's what so many other people feel, right? Because of the language that they speak, you know, the culture that they're from, the, the color of their skin, what have you. And that, you know, going back even to the conversation about leadership and people with the title, I think humanizing people again and recognizing like we all have feelings and we're all just doing the best we can with what we got. Mm -hmm. And so again, I'm not going to claim to know it all. (laughs) And there's sometimes where I'm probably going to say things that are wrong and that are not right. And I'm going to rely on and trust and be open to my friends and the people that care about me to correct me. And sometimes it's not going to be fun, (laughs) right? Like sometimes it's going to be painful, Um, but I'm going to get better for it. And hopefully through that process, I'm going to either encourage somebody to pull a seat up at a table or, you know, inspire them to take, you know, their next new move. Yeah. I love it. I love that as well. Yes. So our final question, not our final ask, <laughs> but you had mentioned, of course, growing up, your parents, they were instilled a work ethic, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's what their generation taught them, that it's work, work, work. Make sure that you have this best work ethic and that's something that you grew up with, right? The way that I see it is, is we have discussed so many times that we want to continue to pass like generational wealth. And I think that is wealth instilling a work ethic. It's definitely wealth. It's teaching Mm -hmm. you that when you do grow up into the world that you are going to have to put some action towards anything that you're doing. And so to me, that is part of overstepping poverty. Right. Mm. And so that's my level of overstepping poverty. And so my question for you here is what does overstepping poverty mean to you? You know, I I have a few notes here because it, as we were, you know, preparing for this podcast, I actually um, took out my favorite little friend, the dictionary and the mm. and the thesaurus. The word poverty is one that I don't like it. Mm-hmm. It's not I, I, it's not in my regular vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And so as I was kind of processing through that, like that's something that, you know, I, I it's a word that I read in news articles or read in textbooks. And so it's uncomfortable to say, and it's also uncomfortable to even think that, wow, you know, based on that definition, yeah, that was me. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, that was just kind of a little bit of my processing. But one of the definitions that really stood out to me was, you know, extremely poor is, you know, that kind of, I think the normal, mm-hmm. but one of the, the second definition really stood out to me and I wrote it down. It was the state of being inferior. Mm-hmm. And that like hit me like a dagger. I think that, you know, for me personally, my whole life, I kind of discounted myself, you know, and I, I elevated other people or I wanted, I, I saw more value in other people than I saw in myself, you know, and then, and then coupled with my parents' hardships as they were raising us and the financial choices that they had to make and, and some of those struggles, it was always, the work ethic was always for, you know, for somebody else. Yeah. So that that's the word, just poverty, but that's not your question. <laughs> mm, no, <laughs> um, I love that. I love that. Um, so in overstepping, well, I followed the same trend. Um, so, you know, I, not that we want to know vocabulary lesson in this conversation, but one of the kind of, one of the synonyms was this concept of go beyond. And so when I think about, you know, overstepping poverty, going beyond the state of being inferior, mm-hmm. um, it is kind of a, a an alternate, um, you know, phrase, if yeah. you will, like that just kind of sunk deep for me in everybody's situation looks different. Everybody is experienced with poverty. Everybody is exposure to it can be completely different. And it's not about comparing somebody is to yours, but I think overstepping poverty, going beyond a state of being inferior is owning where you're at and dreaming about where you want to be. I talked about, you know, naming things, taking responsibility for things in the way that we work as a community mm-hmm. and what we expect from, you know, our, our people, our constituents, but then also our leaders. And I think that that's true in your own life, yeah. you know, like to, to move past something, to overstep that, I think that you just have to call it what it is right. and get uncomfortable with it and get real with it. And be and then just be so dang determined that you are going to actually overstep that thing. Right, absolutely, make it happen. That resilience. Mm. Yes, That's I dope. love it. I, I like the it. breakdown. <laughs> I, I do, do as well. Really, I do. So now that leads us into, of course, we have asked you so many questions, and we <laughs> I love appreciate it. you <laughs> answering all those for us. But it's now our turn to be asked some of those t- thought-provoking questions. Mm-hmm. So this is round table. Round so you take table. it away. I love that. Yes. You know, as I was also kind of thinking about um, and prepping for our conversation today, it kind of dawned on me that no fair. You guys get to have these kinds of conversations <laughs> all the time with so many really cool people. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> really, it is. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, after all those conversations and all those different stories, the wide array of experiences, are there common threads or commonalities or like things that you kind of see popping up over and over again. There is. And there's one thing that I always see and it's, and I just mentioned it and it's in everyone's story. It's the resilience that they have um, in any given situation that they were brought up in or any given situation that they lived in. Um, you've always, you always notice that in their story, it always leads back to them never giving up. It always mm-hmm. leads back to them always seeing the positive side of things. You know, um, even if there was a point of time where they were down, 
there became a time where they were positive and they looked back and they're like, okay, that was me then, but this is me now. Right. And so they took that and they used that as more of a growth mindset rather than taking it and just holding them back. And so what I, I mean, long story short, the, mm-hmm. just the resilience that we see in every individual that sits in your spot and answers all these questions, it's just amazing to me um, sure. because we don't know. We don't know a lot about mm-hmm. everyone that's sitting there, um, but the story that they let out, it's just like, wow, yeah. you guys are all alike, you know, in, in some way you're all alike and, and in some way that you guys are in Sioux Falls here where people, I feel like Sioux Falls is definitely like a hidden gem, you know, <laughs> sure. and there's not enough people here that are recognized, you know, mm. that they should be for their stories that they've, um, that they of course created. Um, but also the things that they're doing now. So mm-hmm. that's what I, I, I usually notice. Yeah. I think there's a few things, of course, the resilience, I mean, for everybody, right? Like to get through all of our darkest times, even mm-hmm. for people that aren't, have never been on the show and then to be here and be able to share that, like, I know there's thoughts that people have before they come to your house to record, mm-hmm. right? And like, dang, I don't know if I really want to do this or maybe mm-hmm. should I? Yeah. <laughs> but they still come and they put themselves out there. And I think that that just shows another level of like love to themselves yeah. because mm-hmm. they're allowing their story to be heard. I think that's big because there's so much power in everybody's story. Everybody has such an amazing story that if they knew how to tell it, they could sell it. They could sell it. That Mm kind of goes together, but I like um, that. I think, uh, another thing that I noticed just based off of our people that we have on, uh, I wrote the word down love. Mm. Right. And because there's people that grow up with every different situation, whether they had both of their parents had one or they live with their grandparents or they're in the foster care, whatever it is, Everybody just wants love, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody wants to feel uh, a place of belonging. And we all find it in different places. But what I've noticed is it takes most people to hit like rock bottom mm. to like find what their true calling is and like find what it is that they want to do. So when people are going through it and they're at they feel like they're at the bottom of the wheel you know, yeah. they, they were at the top. Now they're at the bottom. Just that resilience again, it's going to come back around. You know, you just got to put that work in and yeah, that's what I see a lot of just a lot of people needing that support. Mm-hmm. The more, the more support you have, the better for sure. Yeah. And it seems to be that there's a more, um, better, at least what's shared better experiences through life, a lot less, um, struggle. Not that there's no struggle, but yeah. You know, support and love makes things a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think kind of continuing down that thought process for, you know, for you guys and all of your listeners, there's just so much to soak in. Right. And, and also then to kind of process through or discern, Hey, what things am I going to take? What things are mm-hmm. valuable to me and my story versus, Hey, that's great for them. Not for me kind of thing. You right. know, everybody, mm-hmm. everybody's got, you know, a, a different, a different path. Everybody's got a different looking key, if you will. For sure. I'd love to hear, you know, for you guys personally, as you get exposed to these different conversations and, you know, that maybe invokes reflection for yourselves. Mm-hmm. If there are things that you've kind of learned or like taken on to kind of add to your growth and development process that you'd be willing to share. Well, first off, I would say 
for anybody out there that, um, you know, has ever thought about starting a podcast or doing something like that, that in itself, having these conversations in itself is therapeutic almost, Mm. you know, it, it allows us to have the conversations and learn from each person that comes on, you know, for like the mayor, it was how his routine is. And a lot of going into 2024, I want to focus on my routine because I feel like if my routine is right, both in the morning and at night, it's going to help take care of every other goal that I want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, when it comes to, you know, we had Chantel on right around the same time the mayor was on and her, you know, with just the perseverance of being told she can't be here, can't be here. And now she has her own storefront, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's the little, like you were saying, it's the little bits and pieces of people's story that kind of stick. Yeah. Like, you know what? It it gives you a different perspective on them. It gives you a new light on like, they really like busted their ass (laughs) to get to where they're at today. And there's, it's so easy when you're on social media or you don't really know somebody to kind of judge them from the outside and just have our own thoughts that we create in our head about people. But getting to talk with people, it gives you a a new light on them and just people in general. Absolutely. You know, when people use like when they look at this or watch this podcast, like, wow, this guy can have a conversation. Right. (laughs) And then I go outside of this here. And of course I'm in sales and I speak with people every day and it's different individuals. So it's always a different conversation, just like people on the podcast. Um, but one thing that I was struggling with is I wasn't meeting a lot of people outside of my job. I'd go to my job, then I come back here. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I've noticed and I've taken from a lot of the individuals on here to get to where they are today they opened up their group. You know, mm-hmm. they took that that those uncomfortable situations and they took themselves and they brought them right to, right to it, you know. Um, and that's something that I learned. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I can't just allow my job to take all my time on this here and then, of course, just come home. I need to be out in the, in the community, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and every single person that's on here, they're so involved. And I'm like, how can I be involved? Well, one, let's do a podcast, right? Yeah. This is how I can get involved. This is how I can learn more about individuals in our community. But two, it opened a gateway for me to truly go out to the community and address more things. And so I think that's one thing that uh, has been huge um, that I'm super grateful for. Um, we've just been lucky, of course, to even have that opportunity. Yeah. Um, for that. But it's just, there's one thing that I, if you know, you're listening to this here, you need to ensure that you're involved with the community and you need to be sure that, I mean, really people know who you are so you can know them. Yeah. Um, on yeah. that. So I would say, yeah, personal brand mm-hmm. is a big thing that I think everybody should be building their own brand of Absolutely. who they are and how they're portraying themselves to the world. Going back to the story, mm-hmm. like, everybody literally has a story that can move people, you know, and unless you know how to tell that story, you're not able to really impact people the way that you can, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're able to get that, those words out and those experiences out, because Daquan mentioned it. it, Another thing is just the people that you surround yourself with is so important for yeah. you coming up. It was, it took, you know, your youth pastor to see something in you to put you in position to flourish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, that is for everybody. So when you have people around you that genuinely want to see you win, yeah. then they're going to help you and kind of 
guide you to where you need to go because it's so hard to have that perspective all the time of yeah the bird's eye view mm-hmm. yeah and I think you know when it comes to I as the marketer and me just has to say this yeah. that when you think about building your personal brand it doesn't have to be you know this like fancy mm-hmm. thing like you don't have to have like the logo and the website right. and whatever else but mm-hmm. I think it's just like who do I want to be and how do I show up as them mm-hmm. right like how do I authentically say this is who I want to be. This is how I want to sound. And I'm going to do it. And I'm going to tell that story yeah. and consciously saying, Hey, I'm ready to tell that, you know, because the, the truth is, is that I'm doing the things that I'm doing now because I feel equipped to talk about my experiences mm-hmm. and to tell my story and to learn from the things that I've gone through and the things that have made me, me, yeah. if I, you know, if, if I would have stepped out uh, well, well, I wouldn't have, right? Like three years ago, five years ago, what, right. what have you, I wouldn't have, cause I wasn't ready. And I hadn't gotten to a point of being able to kind of work through and process the things about me that make me who I am and that I'm proud of to yeah. then be able to say, I want to engage in this way. And I want to tell the story in this way. That's powerful. And it is, you gotta be ready. It's all about timing. Mm-hmm. But you'll never know when that perfect no. timing is. But then, <laughs> but then you'll do it, and it will be the perfect time. Yeah, trust that little voice inside. For yes. real. Yeah. We do have time for one more question, if you have it. Oh, gosh. I'm just, like, so ingrained in our conversations <laughs> right? here. This is maybe a little out there, but if there is, like, anybody across the world that, you know, no restriction, you don't have to worry about the cost of flying them in, mm-hmm. like, who would you want to do a podcast with oh and why that is a great question i want to have mike tyson on here oh okay tell I, me about so that i met mike tyson before when i was a when i was a kid and that was pretty cool he was a he was the world champ at the time but he just has so much wisdom i don't know if you guys have heard any of his interviews over the last few years but the image of mike tyson is a tattoo on the face biting a guy's ear off like crazy mm-hmm. But he is full of so much wisdom because of the experiences that he had to go through as a child and being this successful guy that's on the top of the world, but literally like losing his life at the same time. He just, he has so much to talk about and Mm -hmm. that would be pretty awesome. Man, mine, you know, everybody want to know what I would do (laughs) if I didn't win. (laughs) I guess they'll never know. Yes. Kanye West. Yes. Facts. I, dude, I'm the thing with him is is he's authentic no matter what, right? Mm, he's going to tell you tell you how it is no matter what. Doesn't matter if the cameras are on or cameras are off. Um and I just love those kind of people and that's why we have this podcast because we bring authentic people here so that they can tell their story and they can tell you exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean everything. They're not holding stuff back. And I feel if Kanye West is sitting right across from us and <laughs> We're having a conversation with him. He will not hold back. And we've seen interviews where he has done that exact thing, you know. Um, And I do believe that uh, just kind of the industry that he's in, he has been met with a lot of um, roadblocks in his life that he has overcome. So I think he'd have a lot of knowledge and wisdom that he could share. So And you just never know what you're going to get. Right. That's true. So might have to even just cut the podcast early. <laughs> right. All right. No, I think we had yeah. enough. Just well, hey, here. these are out in the ethers now. Yeah. They're out there. Kanye, so Mike. Let's go. Let's, get you <laughs> let's go. If you had your own podcast, who would you want to have on yours? If you could pick <sighs> one person. 
would ask me that. <laughs> you would ask me that. <laughs> I would love to talk with, I call him my dearest best friend, Simon Sinek. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So he has um, Start With Why is a book that he wrote and kind of like, you know, spun into a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. From a marketing perspective, I love it. But also mm-hmm. that concept of Start With Why is so much broader than just marketing. Right. Um, and so I've actually done that um, when I was leading a team. We did it kind of as like a team read. Um, but I've recommended that book to a million places. My husband and I have had some really good conversations about that and just kind of like, employing that to your own life um, kind of it almost looks like this bullseye but you know why is it the center and we were kind of talking about it earlier but you don't always want to you don't always want to address the why sometimes it's easier to talk about the what and the how mm-hmm. and that's where you know in business and in marketing but I think also with ourselves we kind of fall into that trap yeah. instead of kind of digging deeper into like what's really under that and sometimes it's super yeah. simple but so. I would just love to have like a personal conversation with him he does a lot of speaking and stuff mm-hmm. he's got a lot of great sound bites mm-hmm. but to be able to have kind of like a one-on-one I think would be really cool that would be awesome it would so we're down to my last ask you know I I, I had mentioned in a few questions ago that I had one more question I had one more ask and our last <laughs> ask the suspense here, is oh, killing yeah. me oh yeah the last <laughs> ask here is is overstepping poverty, right? So I just want to know, just from your perspective, what would you tell someone that is looking to take those steps over poverty? You know, I think the first thing that I would say, and I say this a lot, especially to my husband, he's a special ed teacher and a baseball coach. And so I remind him to remind his students of this sometimes, that a choice of omission is still a choice. Mm. So, you know, whatever situation that you're in, if you choose to do nothing, you're still choosing that. And so I think that to overset poverty, to go beyond, the first thing that you have to decide is that you really want to go beyond, that you're going to do something, that you're going to make a choice. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, right in line with that is don't don't go at it alone, Mm -hmm. but also be okay being alone. And, you know, the, the road to the road to leadership, if you will, is can get lonely. It can feel lonely. And so I think that to, to overstep something, especially something as significant as the concept of poverty, you need that circle, that support system, and also be okay walking alone sometimes, Mm -hmm. because sometimes the, the person that you really want to call is not going to be able to answer the phone. Sometimes, you know, the people that you've leaned on and trusted for a long time, are going to give you bad advice. <laughs> Sometimes those people are, you know, not, not going to have an answer for you and you're kind of walking into uncharted territory. Um, so don't go at it alone, but be okay being alone. I also, you know, kind of wrote down like some not statements. Gratitude is not thank you. And I think that as you, you know, kind of continue to dig deeper into life and as you do, if you, is, when you do more with what you've been given, in order to really get the full weight and value out of that gratitude is just a really deep seated feeling, right? It's more than the pleasantry of thank you. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you, you know, when you feel gratitude for those hardships, for those lessons that you never wanted to learn in the first place, that that's where growth can come. I'm just going to keep trucking. I wrote these down. (laughs) Um, and, and also the mindset of abundance and not scarcity. 
it's easy when you don't have anything to not have anything, right? And to not give, and whether that's giving of um, your time, talent, or your treasure, but to, you know, to hold it in because it's like, this is all I've got. That kind of to what we were talking about earlier, like when you are just kind of in the same patterns that you're in, you know, around the same people that you're around, you're not giving beyond, right? Like you're, you're not giving, um, and and you can get in that rut of, well, I don't have anything to give. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm only this, I only make this, my, my, I don't have a nice house. I don't have a nice car. We all have something to give. Mm -hmm. And if we can have that mindset of abundance, you know, I'm not suggesting that everybody go into like six figures of debt or anything like that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not suggesting that, but when you have this abundance, uh, mindset of abundance and what you can give, that changes things because then you have a mindset of abundance when it comes to the people at the table. Right. We're not in competition with each other. Right. And that kind of goes all the way back to don't go at it alone, but be yeah. okay being alone. Right. And being willing and able to have an abundance mindset. Yeah. And I think that that might be one of the hardest things to do when you're trudging through the muck, right? When you just really want somebody to throw you a bone mm-hmm. because you need it and you're struggling, how in the world do you give? Right. You got to find a way. Find a way, make a way. Yeah. And then the last thing that I would share, I don't even know what I'm at. I'm just reading the notes that I have. But um, I said it a little bit earlier, but it it really, I think it's really important to overstepping poverty. And whatever that means to you is to own it, to name it, to take responsibility of it, and to get intimate with it. Mm. Because until you know something, you feel it, you smell it, you touch it, you taste it, whatever else you need to do to, for the exact reasons that I wasn't ready to talk about who I am and talk about the things that I've struggled with and to be vulnerable. I wasn't ready to own it. Right. And you know, the parts of me that I'm today the most proud of are parts of me that I've really wanted to bury for a really long time. So to overstep poverty, like just own it, give it a name. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever name you want, Right. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully not Miranda, but right. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. Well, thank you so much for, first of all, coming on the podcast oh, and thank you. accepting the invite. It's been great to, you know, meet you again and get to know you even more. I'm excited for you and you. you know what the future holds. So I appreciate you so much for coming on. Yes, as do I. And just a couple more things here, of course. One, just learning about you outside of city council, you know, just doing a full deep dive into who you are, how you grew up. That's something special for you to, of course, share um, to our listeners there. But also going to city council, um, for those of you that are listening, again, Miranda Basie for Sioux Falls, right? Is that the word? Miranda Miranda for for Sioux Falls. So look, my last name is hard to spell, so Mm -hmm. we left it out. Okay. You just got to know Miranda for Sioux Falls and you're going to find it. Perfect. (laughs) And then how about on Facebook, Instagram, any pages that they can follow as well? Yeah. So we have some, you know, Miranda SF, Miranda for SF on um, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Um, And so we post, I, 
pretty often um, videos of me out and about doing things, saying things, some snippets of my of my life. So those are active and out there and they're also linked on our website. So if you find yourself on the website, you should be able to get to everything else. To everything. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Well, again, thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners for taking the time um, again, out of your day to listen to our episode of overstepping poverty. Um, of course, every Friday at 8 a.m. Sorry, every other Friday at 8 a.m. <laughs> now. So we'll see you guys next week on overstepping poverty. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Overstepping Poverty. We hope you found this week's discussion informative and thought-provoking. We know that tackling poverty is a complex issue, but by working together and understanding the root causes, we can make progress towards creating a more equitable society. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to our show. Until next time, let's take the next steps in Overstepping Poverty.